We need a true experience with the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Manifest Presence from our series, God is in Us, where we are learning what it means to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. We are in the third week of our series, God is in Us. And if you're taking notes this morning, which I would highly encourage you to do, because we're not a church that just worship in spirit, but we also worship in what? In truth. Which means we want to know the truth. We want to remember the truth. We want to write the truth down. We want to live it out, walk it out. Today's sermon title is Manifest Presence, which might be kind of strange. That's okay. We'll explain it as we go. I'm going to ask if you would. I know you're kind of nestling in for a nice hibernation of Sunday morning. I'm going to ask if you would just to stand to your feet in honor of the reading of God's word. I got two passages here. I'm going to start from Ephesians 5 and 1 Corinthians 12. You can turn on your Bibles, follow through, just listen or read as we go. Ephesians 5 says this, starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. How many of us ever feel like the days are evil? Like they get away from us, they're gone too fast. Sometimes they're just bad. Sometimes they're just straight up evil. I know I feel that way sometimes. He goes on to say, therefore, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. I wonder, could you just say that phrase with me? But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks Always and for everything to God the Father and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then on over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, Paul says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Just pause real quick. Paul is speaking about the church. And so just because there are many people here, many people in, a, in our first service, many people throughout the week, there's many different people. We're all a part of one body. You get that, right? That body is the church, and that's a good thing. Amen? Amen. Come on, we're still Southern Baptists. Amen? Amen? There you go. you got to dig down to those roots, baby. Come on. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. All baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we're all made to drink of one spirit. I wonder if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for this time that we have. Lord, I pray that it would be set apart, that it would be holy, that it would be consecrated. Lord, that you would show up in an incredibly strong way. God, I sensed your presence as we worshiped you today. I sensed your spirit working already in my heart and the hearts and minds of those around me. Thank you for your work in our church. Thank you for your approach to our church, that you love us, that you see us as beautiful. And even in the midst of our darkness and our, our, our evil and even in the midst of, of our sin, God, you still, you see us flawless and you love us. Thank you. May you work today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, I just want to make something, uh, a quick announcement before we jump into today. There is something that I'm really excited about 
that we as a church need to be excited about as well. A couple months ago, we went through a sermon series called We Can't Stay Here. Remember that sermon series? Um, it was awful for everybody, me included, okay? Um, I mean, it was good, but it was, yeah, it was tough. And, um, and basically, we, we really said we want to reset the metric of success. We don't want the metric of success to only be how many people we can seat. It's not just our seating capacity, but it's also, do you remember? Our sending capacity. And so we committed to becoming a church that was going to plant churches that plant churches. We committed to becoming a church that was going to raise up people and send them out to plant, bringing people in and sending them out to plant and raising up even our own people and asking them to pray about being sent. And so what I'm really excited about is tonight, Pastor Mark and Access Church, they're having their very first informational meeting tonight. And I think that's worth giving a, a round of applause for. Can you guys just give it... And so I want you, I'm asking you as your pastor, I would love for you to be there. If you live in the Dublin area, if, if you have thought about, if it's crossed your mind, like, yeah, is it something for us? Is that something we should do? What's really going on? And I want to hear his vision. Listen, bring your family, bring some friends, go and be a part of it. Happening tonight, 6 o'clock at our offices over on Jackpot Road. You need to be there. Um, I'd love to, to, to have you be a great encouragement to him hear the vision, hear about what's going on. And listen, don't, don't be freaked out. Don't be like, well, is this, is this like having a church sanction? Yeah, like literally. You're like, well, what, you're asking me to leave our church? Kinda, like maybe. Some of you more than others, I'm just saying. Like here, here's the thing. I, I've come to a place, and God's gonna make me walk this out. I know, he, he does, I know he's going. I've just come to a place where I'm okay with being a church that's just going to continue to send our own people away. Just, just sending. We want to raise you up and send you off. I love you. We can party in heaven together someday. But listen, we're better when we're together. We're better when we're all across the city, all across this nation, all across this world, building God's kingdom together. How awesome is that? How excited. You have the opportunity to be a part of that tonight. Um, so come, be a part of that, 6 o'clock. All right, here we go. So, this past week I was on vacation. My wife and I, we took all of our many, 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 many children. And uh, you've never experienced vacation unless you drive in a minivan with five children for 13 hours to a beach in Florida and arrive in the middle of the night. And uh, I really learned a couple things on vacation. Can I tell you some stuff I learned? Okay. Um, I'll tell you. I'll just look at you and tell you. Here are the things, ma'am, that I learned. Um, Number one, as a dad, when you have children, mom, dad, vacation's not for you anymore. Just get over it. Like you're like, oh, vacation, I'm just going to relax. You're not going to relax. In fact, you're going to relax less on vacation than you will at work. Can I get an amen? You'll amen for that because you know it's true, right? Your head is on, especially when you're at the beach, especially when you have babies at a beach. Whose idea was that? Probably my wife's. And we went there. And my head is on a swivel like the whole time, right? My head just looking around. I also learned this. I learned that dads, you, you're not special. On vacation, you are, this is what you are. You are a glorified pack mule. That is what you are. You exist to do a couple things. You are an ATM. That is number one. ATM. Number two, you, you carry stuff. You carry bags. You carry food. Uh, God forbid you get a hotel room that's more than two stories up, because guess what? You're carrying the stuff. 
You're carrying your luggage. You're carrying the 14 backpacks that your little girl brought for no reason at all. Each one has a different stuffed animal. You're carrying it. You're carrying it upstairs. You're carrying your kids. You're carrying your kids on the beach. You get in the pool. Your kids are on you. You are a floating island in the pool. Your children are on you. It does not stop. Another thing I learned on vacation is uh, that crabs hurt when they bite you in the leg. I learned that. Um, what happened was this, and I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but you guys won't tell anybody. Um, uh, we, we got to the beach, and there was a purple flag, and I asked one of the guys, like, what's that mean? He's like, oh, that means there was marine life active. And I said, oh, marine life active. What does that mean? He goes, well, someone saw a shark yesterday. I was like, oh, okay. I'm going back to Ohio where there's... <laughs> No sharks. There's nothing I have to worry about when I swim here that's going to eat me and kill, you know. And he's like, oh, it's fine. We got helicopters out. You know, it's just, I was like, okay. So basically, I'm the guy. I'm the guy standing in the water up to my ankles refusing to go out any further. No, this is far enough, guys. And my kids are like, Dad, come on. I'm like, all right, fine. So we walk out a little bit further, kind of up to our waist. And I'm looking around, head, head on a swivel, you know, like just looking around. And kid you not. I'm like hypersensitive. I'm looking for fins. I mean, because I turn around and it's nothing but ocean, right? And I'm about 30, 40 yards off ashore and I feel something come up and grab my ankle. Now, here's what I tell you I learned a couple things on vacation. I learned, I learned some things. My kids learned some new words on vacation this week as well. <laughs> From their mother, of course. And um, <laughs> I reached down. And I didn't know, it was a crab. A crab had, had pinched me. I picked up the crab. I, I lost my salvation. I picked up the crab. <laughs> I threw that thing so hard and so far, and my kids thought it was funny. Anyway, <laughs> crabs can pinch. Um, the other thing I learned, and this is quite interesting, the other thing I learned on vacation is that for most people, it turns out vacation is nothing more than you checking your social media in a different location of the United States. That's what vacation is for most people. Did you know that? It's like, here's what separates here from there. Here, like I'm on vacation. I'm doing social media wherever I'm here. Oh, I'm on vacation now. Ah, now I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm just on a beach doing it. And that's what people do. It's crazy. The amount of time people spent on Facebook. I was on hiatus for the whole week on social media just to be able to chill, hang out with the family, just relax and sit on a beach, right? Um, but it was amazing just to see like whole families on a beach with waves and water and crabs. And, and they're literally just like liking photos. of They're not even living there. They're looking at their kids swim through like a junky lens of an iPad. They're not even experiencing like life happening. They're experiencing life happening through a device. It was just amazing. Um, and I started thinking about that. Why do we do that? Why? Why? Now, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think maybe one, we're pretty egotistical. We think everybody cares what we think about Donald Trump, so we post those things. Everybody cares about that. We all, everybody needs, everybody needs to know exactly how I feel, so I gotta put it. Okay, no, they don't. You're egotistical. Um, I think that another reason is because we, we, we want to see how many friends we can rack up, right? Even though we've never talked to these people in our life, they accepted me as a friend. I'm friends. You're not friends. They don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. It's meaningless. Um, and then I'm pretty cynical. Sorry, I'm relaxed. I just got back from vacation. And, uh, but I do think there is an element there of connection, right? I do think that there's something inside of each and every one of us that longs to be connected. Would you agree? 
We long to be connected. I, I, I feel like Scripture is very clear when it, when it talks about the fact that we, we're better together as a family. We're, we're meant to do life together. Do you know what I mean? We do life in community. When I look at the Trinity, when I look at God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, He was a God who had perfect community. He is a God who has perfect community in and of Himself. You are not three in one. You are one in one. You are one, right? And so we are made to do life together. That's why church, it's better together. It's better when we come together and gather. But I do think that there is something, even in social media, right, about, about this idea of being connected and at least having the presence of connection. The presence of connection is a powerful thing. The presence of connection is, is a powerful thing. And whether it's through social media or the presence of connection in your relationship, maybe, uh, maybe with your spouse or even in your relationship with Jesus or through the Holy Spirit, we all want to feel a connection. I know for me personally, when I come to worship on a Sunday morning or, or in different avenues, I want to feel the presence of God. Would you agree? Do you want that? I want to feel God's presence. Why? Because it lets me know that I'm connected to him. I feel connected in those moments. I, I feel connected when I sense his presence. And I was thinking about this through the week, and um, as I was reading through scripture about this presence and, and connection, and, and something is very clear when you read through scripture that, that God's manifest presence is all over the place through scripture. You know that? I mean, it doesn't take much to look through the lives of people like Paul and John and Peter, the early church in Acts and Ephesus and, and Corinth, and you look and you see God's presence, or we would say his manifest presence, his literal, his, his special power, his special presence there. You say, well, what does that mean, Travis? It, it would mean this. God showing up in a unique way and doing something unique through a person or a people group. And as I look through scripture, I see that. I mean, look at the life of Paul. Look at what he experienced. Now, while I don't envy his life in terms of him being shipwrecked and, and people threw rocks at him to try to kill him and imprisoned and beaten and all these kind of things, I, don't, I do envy the fact that he walked in the presence of God. There was a connection with the Holy Spirit that, that at times as I read, I'm like, I don't know nothing about that. The life of Peter, John, the life of the church in Acts, where, where we read that daily people were coming together breaking bread. Daily people were meeting Jesus. We even read about times where three, four, five thousand people came to Jesus in one day. And so this thought started going through my mind. Why? Why? Why does that not happen now? Why is it that why, why is it that we don't experience the, and maybe you're with me, why, why is it that we don't experience the movement of God or the, the power of God or maybe even the presence of God in our lives in the same way that we see people in Scripture experiencing it? You ever ask that question? God, why don't you do that today through me? God, why don't you do that today through us? Why don't we see that type of stuff today in our church? Why don't, why, don't, why don't we say, think about the life of Paul or Peter or John. They saw people come back from the dead. They saw people healed. 
There, were, there are portions of scripture where you'll read, they, they get up to talk to a diverse people group and they just speak and everybody who speaks different languages understands them. That would be helpful <laughs> a lot of times in a lot of parts of our country, wouldn't it? If I could just speak and everybody, okay, good. We're all covered. Okay, good. They could do that. Why are we not experiencing God's manifest power in that way, in our lives, in our church, in our time, in our culture, in our nation today? Because Scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God hasn't changed, what's the issue? What's the problem? Here's what I think. You may agree or disagree. It doesn't matter because I have the microphone. I don't, ex- I don't think that we experience, I'm going to call it the fullness. I don't think that we experience the fullness of the power of God in our lives today. Hang on. Just hold on. You ready? Hang on. I love you. But just hold on. I don't think that we experience the fullness of the power of God in our lives today because most of us don't live lives that require it. Most of us don't live lives that require the fullness of the power of God. We don't take risks. We don't step out on faith. We expend zero or little energy sharing our faith. And if I'm completely honest with you, I really wonder if for a lot of Christians, okay, if for a lot of us, church and Jesus are seen as a Sunday morning affair and nothing more. Here's what I'll say. When you live a life like that, you don't require the special power of God. You don't require the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. It's only through obedience and risk and faith and repentance that the power of God manifests himself. Listen, think, think about the risk that Paul took in his life following Jesus or Peter or John or the early church, the persecution that took place. And, and if I'm really, really honest with you, most Christians wrestle with even praying or reading scripture on a consistent basis. Now listen, I love you. I do. I do. I think about you. I pray for you. But I want you to know that this Christian walk is so much more than you getting over the, the, the daily prayer time and devotional. There is a fullness that most of us are missing out on in our Christian walk. Paul says, I long for you to eat the meat of the word, not just the milk. And we create environments that that really catalyze complacent Christianity. Man, we miss out on the fullness of God. Another way to say this would be this. If you take a note, you can write this down. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is found at the intersection of repentance, risk, obedience, and faith. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is found at the intersection of repentance, risk, obedience, of faith. Let me say it again another way. I already talked about the Trinity, and I think most of us would affirm the Trinity, the biblical view of the Trinity. Amen? We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We would, we would say that is biblically, theologically accurate. Amen? Yes? Okay. So here's the thing. We would say we believe that, but practically we don't. Because practically, do you know what our Trinity is? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scripture. That's 
what we practically live out. And we're okay with elevating the scriptures over the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this can get real touchy real fast. I'm not taking anything away from scripture. It is God's breathed word. But understand that without God breathing the word, there would be no word. The Holy Spirit literally, in in the Old Testament, the Ruach, in the New Testament, the Pneuma, both means the breath of God. So we elevate the word over the one who blew out the word to begin with. Do you see the problem with that? The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you why we do that. I'll tell you why. It's simple. Because in our culture, it's not a risk to read Scripture. It's not a risk. You can walk right outside right now. Take any park bench anywhere. Sit down, open your Bible, and read. You're you're probably not going to get killed for that. In fact, you might get complimented. Hey, good for you. Good for you. Way to go, man. You know, I'm trying to get into my relationship with you. I mean, that's what you're going to get. That, that could be what you get. It is not a risk to read Scripture. But do you know what is a risk? It is a risk to live out Scripture. So while it's not a risk to read Scripture, it is a risk to re- live out Scripture. Well, guess what? You don't need the Holy Spirit to read Scripture, but you do need the Holy Spirit to live out Scripture. If you're going to walk in the ways of Jesus, guess what? You can't do that on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm telling you this morning, church, listen to me, is this. We need a real encounter with the Holy Spirit. We need a true encounter, not a fabricated encounter, not an emotional encounter, but a real, true, holy encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say that, and I also want to say this. Because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we kind of get a little scared sometimes. What does that mean? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? Let me just say this. I believe Scripture is very clear about the ministry of Jesus. Right? And you can read through John 1 and John 2. You can read in Corinthians and Romans. You can read elsewhere. But I think that, that Scripture makes it very clear that at the moment that somebody comes to Jesus Christ, two things happen that are inseparable. Are you ready? Number one, their sins are forgiven. And number two, they're given the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 makes it very abundantly clear that you can't know God without the Holy Spirit. You can't enter into heaven without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God within you. It's the Spirit of Christ within you. He lives within you. And so at the moment of conversion, that moment when Jesus reaches down, pulls you, grabs you by the neck, and pulls you out of the grave, come on, from death into life, Your sins are forgiven. They're gone. There is now no more. Therefore, there is no more condemnation on you. They're gone. But equally, you are given the Holy Spirit. And you can call it whatever you want to. I don't care. Call it baptized. Call it, you know, indwelling. Call it whatever. But I want you to know that that has nothing to do with you. That is a gift of God. That comes from Jesus John says in John 1 that I baptize with water, but Jesus, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that when he raises you from the dead, your sins are forgiven. You are then given the Holy Spirit. Would we agree with that? Yes or no? Okay, okay. So Paul backs it up in 1 Corinthians 12. We read that verse. And then he does it again in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, And and, and what I I want you to know, though, is this. There's something very interesting, okay? Okay. Because while I would say that you can have the Holy Spirit, 
I think it's possible to not be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Alistair Begg, I love this guy. If you've never heard of him, he's a pastor up north uh, towards Cleveland. He's from Scotland, so it's fascinating to listen to him. And he's a fantastic uh, preacher. But he would literally say that. He will say, it is possible for a believer to have the Holy Spirit, but not, to, but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look at the teachings of uh, Corinth, uh, Corinthians, in the book of Corinthians, you will see Paul attacking Christian people. Now, he's not gossiping, he's not being mean, he's being vicious to them. But, but what, what he's saying is, like, you know better. You're a Christian, but you're not acting spiritual. So what he's doing, he's saying, basically, you know better. You have the Holy Spirit. You are a spiritual person, but you're acting in an unspiritual way. Uh, and, and before you say, well, they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Listen to what he says in, in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is of Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. So there's a baptism that already took place when you met Jesus. You already have the Holy Spirit, but you're not living in the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to ask you, how many of us, we know Jesus Christ, but we go through seasons of our life where we feel like we're separated from God? Now you might not raise your hand because maybe you want to appear a lot more holy, but I'll be the first to tell you, man, there are seasons in life. And just like there's spring, just like there's summer, just like there's fall, and just like there's ugh, winter, or as we call it in Ohio, the gray, I want you to know that there are seasons in your life. You're a child, you're a teenager, you're an adult, you may be married, you might have kids, you may have a job, you may lose a job, you may get a new job, you may be divorced, you may be married again. Like there are seasons. And in your walk with Jesus, there are seasons. And some of those seasons sometimes feel like a wilderness. Can we just keep it real? They feel like the desert. You ever been in a desert season? You ever just been walking through the sand? One of the, one of the things we like to do as a family on Sunday nights is we order a pizza and we sit down and we watch something on National Geographic, preferably predatory-based. And, um, but sometimes we get caught up in those survival shows. I was watching a survival show the other week with my daughter, Stella, and this guy was dropped off, helicopter dropped him off in the middle of the Sahara, literally. And he's just walking, and, and, and he's with somebody who has a camera, and he looks at the camera, and he says, I don't even know where I'm supposed to go because it all looks the same. And something like struck me in my heart because I've been there. Where you're in a season of your life, and you're like, I don't even know. I don't know where to go. I feel alone. I feel separated. I don't feel a connection. I don't feel God's presence. And I feel like I'm walking. And I don't know if I'm going right. There are seasons in life, but we long. Don't we, don't we long for the presence of God? I think we do. We all long for the presence of God. In fact, what I want you to do, I want you just to turn to your neighbor. Right now, just turn to your neighbor. Right now, just look at him and say, I long for God's presence. Look at your other neighbor and say, I long for God's presence. Why is it that you feel so weird saying that? Can I just ask you? 
Why is it that you feel so strange saying that? Okay, you want to hear something crazy? I know we're on podcast. I keep coming to this place in my sermon, and it keeps just erasing my sermon. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to basically talk to you from, this is just like a candid moment. I probably shouldn't have told you that. But I'm just going to talk to you from what I know, okay? We go through seasons of life where we feel like we are completely and utterly lost. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you how to find God's manifest presence even in the desert. Even in those times. Because how many of you know we walk through difficult times where we feel a loss of connection? I long for connection with God. And when it's not there, I feel like something is amiss. And when something is amiss, I drift farther. And then I begin to get upset. Then I begin to get depressed. Then I begin to get angry with God. I'm just keeping it real. But you know what Scripture says? Scripture tells us, number one, this. Write write this down. Number one. God inhabits the presence of those who praise him. In fact, it specifically says God inhabits the praises of those who worship him. And so if you are a person who wants to have this supernatural power, this supernatural manifest presence of God in your life, i got to tell you this. Number one, the way to attract it is by, is by fervent, zealous worship in song. Now you might say, oh, you had me till then because I ain't singing, man. Like, that's for girls and, and children. And that's all well and good for them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do me. I'm more, of a, I'm more of a give me the word, son, kind of guy. Okay. I get that. You're a guy. I get that. And listen, it's no joy to hear us, you know, it's no joy to hear you sing either on our end. Okay? i got to be really honest with you. Okay? Um, it's just you're lucky that Scripture says make a joyful noise before God because that's basically what a lot of it is. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, Here's the thing. God inhabits the praise of his people. You want the manifest presence? You want the spirit? You want the the presence of God here? Fervently worship him. No, I just want the word. I just want the word. I just want to instruct. Just teach me how to live. Just teach me how to live. Well, I want to go deeper. I want to go. Here's the problem with that. Okay? I get that. Scripture. Good. Okay. There will come a day when instruction will end. Do you know that? Scripture talks about the fact that when we are united in heaven with Jesus Christ, it is a time when instruction will come to an end. Why? Because instruction has been fulfilled. Listen, we get to heaven, we're not going to be gathering on Sunday morning. Jesus shows up, hey, Travis, could you preach on, uh, I really want, talk about how to live a holy life to these people today. We're really having a difficult time in the covenant section of heaven. Could you, you, yeah, sure, I got you. That's not going to happen. I'm not preaching anymore when I go to heaven. I'm not dealing with y'all up there. I'm not. I'm not. You know what will be taking place? Scripture says worship, fervent, zealous, celebratory worship of God. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the presence of God inhabits the praise of his people. If you feel like there's a loss of connection between you and God, maybe it's because you're not singing. And I'm not saying you have to sing good, sing well. Sing great, but you could maybe mumble out a couple words. You can maybe uncross your arms and raise them up. This makes me un. Get them up. Talk to Jesus. Sing about him. Be a role model for your son and daughter. Sing about Jesus, number one. Number two, another thing that attracts the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit 
is personal holiness. Personal holiness. David says in the Psalms, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Don't take away your presence. Notice that he's not really talking about a salvation there, is he? What's he talking about? He's talking about the presence. He says, create in me a, a clean heart. Because when I have a, a clean heart, your presence is there. I want you to know that there is no interaction with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me now. There is no interaction with the Holy Spirit apart from true repentance. And it's really a question like this. And I, and I ask this a lot. I know I say this a lot. It, here's a simple way of asking about personal holiness. How much like Jesus do you really want to be? When I have a student or when I have a college student or a single person who comes to me and they say, well, hey, I got a question, okay? How far is too far? And I'm always like, well, what do you mean, how far is too far? What are you talking about here? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. How far is too far? I, I don't say like, well, this is okay and this is not good and you can do this and you can't do that, you know. I say this. Well, here's the way to answer that question. How much like Jesus do you want to be? Now, we don't like that answer. <laughs> oh, that really narrows it down pretty quick. Yeah. In your own life, Dad, how much like Jesus do you want to be? As a father, as a husband, as a leader, as a boss, as an employee, as an employer, as a citizen? Mom, how much like Jesus do you want to be as a wife, as a mother, as a worker, as a stay-at-home mother, as a teacher, as a whatever? Students in school, how much like Jesus? Listen, this is a question of personal holiness. If you want to attract the special man, if you want to see God do things, if you want to see the Holy Spirit move in a powerful way through you, then you must get into a place where you are worshiping him and you are striving towards personal holiness. Which means you got to live differently. You know one of the things that detracts or pushes or repels, rather, that's the word, repels the Holy Spirit. The, not, I'm not talking about salvation. Remember, I'm not talking about your salvation because you can have the Holy Spirit but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Scripture is very clear that there were times where Paul and, and Peter and Stephen and, and these great men in Scripture who already were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they did great things. Already, they already have the Holy Spirit, but then there's moments in time and unique uh, environments where the Holy Spirit shows up and does something crazy. And, and I love, I love uh, Pastor Matt Chandler. I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but he says this. I can't guarantee a move of God. I can't guarantee that, that, that God's going to do something if, if, if I act a certain way. In the same way, if I stuck my head, he says, if I stuck my head under a faucet, I can't guarantee that somebody's going to turn the faucet on. But I'll tell you what, if somebody chooses to turn the faucet on, I'm going to get wet. In other words, although we can't guarantee a move of God, we can position ourselves to be ready when God does move. So what we need to do is stick our heads under the faucet. What we need to do is get into the word. What we need to do is repent. What we need to do is correctly position on ourselves so that when the spirit decides to move, we can move with him. Instead of being a people who read scripture and say, why not now, God? Why not in my time? Why not in my day? And Jesus is like, well, hey, maybe you should sing on Sunday. Hey, maybe you should be personally holy. 
Hey, maybe you should be an example for your son. Hey, maybe you should live differently, talk differently. What you wear should be different. Maybe you shouldn't be. Man, if you want me to move in you, then you got to be different. One of the things that repels the Holy Spirit or the special manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you, is, is complacency. Now, let me ask you, have we become a complacent culture in Christianity? Have we? Then why would we think the Holy Spirit would do anything of substance in us? He won't. Man, I, I just... I gotta be so honest with you. Like, I don't want to live my life wishing the Holy Spirit would move. I wanna live my life celebrating the moves of God. If we would strive for holiness as a body who are all baptized into one spirit already, if we would lift our hands in celebration and worship our God, I'm not talking about singing. I'm talking about worship that comes from your chest into your throat, out of your mouth because you can't contain it. How can we not sing to a God who has given us so much? How can we not elevate a God who has given us new life? How can we not praise a God who has raised our sons and daughters and mothers and fathers from the dead? And yet we stand impotent and stagnant and selfish and wonder why God isn't doing more. May God change our hearts. May he break our hearts. May he lead us to repentance. May he lead us to take risk. May we be obedient in it and may we have the faith to step out to see the Holy Spirit manifest his presence in a unique way in this group of people. Thank you for listening to this message from our series, God is in Us, at Covenant Church. We hope you were impacted by this message today. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing here in this ministry, feel free to give online at covenantchurch.us forward slash give.